0: Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let us pray. Lord God, as we gather for worship today and gather around your word, may the words that I say and the thoughts and feelings that those words elicit in our hearts be acceptable in your sight and give you glory and edify us as peoples and as individuals and as a congregation of your larger church. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So the downtown church I served in Iowa had a ministry in which every Sunday members of the church would gather in the fellowship hall and prepare and serve a meal for anyone from the community free of charge. Normally over a hundred people were served each week in, in the evening. About half of the people who came were regulars, people who were homeless or who lived in boarding houses around the church, or who lived in a senior citizen's housing complex that was across the park. The other half were people who were more or less passing through town, hitchhiking, waiting for a ride to a funeral somewhere else, waiting for the trailways bus to leave the next morning. One weekend in that town, I attended a choral concert at a small liberal arts college that was also in the church's neighborhood. I was alone. I arrived just as the concert was about to begin. I slid into a vacant seat next to the aisle, took my coat off and placed it over the seat. And then I realized that the woman sitting next to me was one of the regulars at the Sunday evening meals program. During the intermission, I introduced myself, and she recognized me as being the minister of the church. I asked her if she lived in the neighborhood, and she said yes, and I asked her if she came to many of these concerts. She said, I come every time the students sing. Listening to them reminds me that I never sing Alone. For the remaining years that I served that church, I would often see her or notice her then on Sunday night. I didn't work the meals all the time, but I might be passing through Fellowship Hall while they were going on. And often she was waiting in line for whatever fare was offered that night. Sometimes she was seated at a table by herself and sometimes at a table with others. But I have never forgotten her words Listening to the students reminds me that I never sing alone. Over a hundred years ago, Ralph Vaughan Williams put to music the words of George Herbert, an Anglican priest and poet who lived for over 300 years earlier. The anthem that Vaughan Williams composed today, is, that we sang today, is called Antiphon. It is one of the most joyful and uplifting anthems a choir ever sings, as you heard today. But listen to the words again as I read them. Let all the world in every corner sing, my God and King. The heavens are not too high, his praise may thither fly. The earth is not too low, his praises there may grow. Let all the world in every corner sing, my God and King. The church with psalms must shout, no door can keep them out, but above all, above all, the heart must bear the longest part. Let all the world in every corner sing, my God and King. In Greek, this word antiphon means literally opposite voice. The antiphon is the response one section of a choir makes to another section or it's a response a congregation makes to a reading of scripture or a psalm. It is the voice of another, the voice that stands opposite my voice, the voice that sings with me or in response to me. Listening to the students, the woman said, reminds me that i never sing alone antiphon the voice of the other but how can we be sure that we never sing alone after all until I, until i happened to arrive and notice the woman she was at the choral concert sitting alone And when she took her meals in the fellowship hall of our church, she sometimes sat alone there as well. How can we be sure that we never sing alone? That we, as we make our way through life, we aren't alone? How can we be sure? In the first stanza of his poem, Herbert writes, The earth is not too low. God's praise is there. Make row. This line promises something that is, that is at the core of my own faith and is frankly one of the reasons that I am a minister. In my own relationship with God and in my own theological development over the years, I have long believed that there is nothing we do or experience, nothing we commit or is committed against us that is beneath the dignity of God. Nothing is too low, too shameful, too destructive, too painful to lead God to avert His eyes, to put His hands over His ears, to walk across the street, to avoid having to make conversation with us. The earth is not too low for the Holy One, for God. Sometimes when I'm asked what my favorite psalm is, I respond not with Psalm 23 or Psalm 100 or Psalm 121, as somebody in the early service said, but I respond with Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. You stand behind me like a potter and shape me with the palm of your hand. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the underworld, the land of the dead, you are there. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me shall become as night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is is as bright as the day, for the darkness is as light to you. We know that we are not alone because the earth is not too low, not too low for God. Even if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. After George Herbert promises that the earth is not too low, his next next line proclaims God's praises there may grow. What the word there refers to is the place we have experienced the earth being low. Once we've come to understand with our minds that the earth is not too low for God that nothing we have done or has been done to us is beneath the dignity of God, we can come to the point, I assure you, of being able to experience, perhaps ever so slightly, the presence of God. The presence of God even in our lowest experience. And we may then be able even within that low experience, to praise God. God's praises there may grow. Herbert goes on to say, The church with psalms must shout, no door can keep them out. He is saying that even when the earth is at its lowest point for us, the music of God cannot and will not be silenced. It continues in the music of the church. It continues when we don't want to sing a solo, but everybody else will sing with us and we can join in. Listening to the students, the woman said, listening to the choir sing reminds me that I do not sing alone. Musician and homiletician Thomas Troger describes what he calls the irrepressibility of the, gra- of the praise of God. It bubbles up in the babble of a baby, it hums in the hum of whales, it sings in the song of birds, it soars in the roar of lions. It drums in the drum of thunder. It whistles in the windswept trees. It beats in the beat of the waves. It sounds in the hymns and prayers of the oppressed. How many times has it been the birth of a child that's kept a family going, following a sudden, unexpected death? How many times has a family gone forward with a wedding the day or the week or the month after the death of someone who has been beloved in the family, even in our worst experiences when the world is at its lowest? The church with psalms must shout. No door can keep them out. The irrepressibility of the music of God. Finally, when we acknowledge with our minds that the earth is not too low for God, and even when that acknowledgement leads us to recover some sense of praise of God, it still takes more than our minds to be fully assured, to be blessedly assured that we are not alone. Concerning such praise, Herbert says, Above all, the heart must bear the longest part. Troger explains this reference to the longest part. Anyone who has played in an orchestra, he says, or a band or a chamber music group, anyone who's sung in a choir, knows about the strain of bearing the longest part. As a flautist, he writes, I can think of various obligatos I have played where my part went on and on without a break. I was bearing the longest part. I wondered when will I ever get the chance to breathe. Troger goes on to speak of movements both political and personal in which the heart has to bear the longest part, the most difficult part. When the slave sang, Nobody knows the trouble I've seen, it was the heart that was bearing the longest part. When the freedom movement in South Africa stood up to apartheid, it was the heart that had to bear the longest part. When Paul and Silas were imprisoned in the dungeon of darkness, it was the heart that had to bear the longest part. When we sit by the bed of one who is dying, it is the heart that has to bear the longest heart. It is the heart that must keep singing with faith when the voice is too choked with grief to sound a note. One of the things that I've noticed over the years in my, from my seat in worship up here, in all the churches I've served, is that there are always a certain number of people who on a given Sunday will stand for the hymns but will not sing. The ones here in that category are those who are currently crawling out under the pews. (laughs) For some people, I think the refusal to sing is out of respect for their pew mates. <laughs> the reason that I became a minister is so I could belt the hymns out up here and not have to destroy anybody else's sense of worship except when the mic's on. Some people don't, think, don't sing in church, I think, because they simply didn't grow up with a tradition of congregational singing, and so it just doesn't feel right but for some i think the silence during singing may reflect to tiredness a spiritual tiredness a grief recent or one that won't go away a sense that i just can't carry the song any longer But Troger says, when our individual hearts can no longer bear the longest part, there are others who bear it for us. The words of the chorus are echoed back and forth between the different parts. The melody is sometimes carried by the singers, sometimes carried by the instrument, the piano, the organ. No one musician, no one singer, no one worshiper ever has to carry the longest part all of the time. This is Antiphon, the other voice, the voice that sings when our voice gives out, the voice of the congregation which sings for us when we simply must stand in silence. We can be assured that we do not sing alone, that we are not alone because of the other voices that sing in our place. My friends, I do not want to deny that there are times when we are alone, when we are truly alone. When we take our meals in a fellowship hall and even though we may be at table with others, nobody knows our name, nobody knows the trouble we've seen Nobody has been through the exact suffering through which we are going right now. I know there are times in which no human being on the face of the earth truly understands who we are, truly understands what we have experienced, truly gets us. But I believe that even in such times, we are not alone from God The Christ we seek or follow died alone. He suffered alone. Nobody close to him really understood what he was about. And even among his last words, my God, my God, why have you, Forsaken me. Jesus Christ was as alone as any human being is ever alone. Thus, even when we are alone, even when we are totally alone, there is one who is alone with us. The aloneness we bear is not too alone for the one for whom the earth is never too low. When we sing alone, or when we have sung so long that we can no longer breathe, there is a voice that responds, the voice of the other, the voice of Christ, Antiphon. Listening to the students, she says, listening to the students, reminds me, that I never sing alone. Amen.